0: Right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, everybody. I am super excited right now because Sean Stevenson is in Wonderland. Sean is the mastermind behind the Model Health podcast, and he is one of the smartest and most articulate guys I've ever encountered in this wellness world and beyond it. I adore the way he presents information that's sometimes complicated and takes these concepts and makes them very easily understood and brings them in in a fun manner that's really unmatched by anyone else out there right now. And we are going to get into his background a bit today because he's really had a very interesting journey, but here's a little bit about Sean before we dive in. So, Sean has over 11 years of experience working with clients as one of the top nutrition experts in the country. He specializes in biochemistry and kinesiology and is the author of several books and programs, including The Fat Loss Code and The Key to Quantum Health. He's been so successful over the years, not because of his vast health knowledge and fitness knowledge, which he definitely has and we'll get into today but really because he truly cares enough to help people and be connected with people in such an authentic, deep way. So it's awesome to be talking to you today, Sean. Thank you so much for stopping by the Wellness Wonderland.
1: I am so pumped to be here. The Wellness Wonderland, first of all, the name of your show is incredible. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Thank you. It's really, it's my honor to be here today. Thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. This is going to be a blast. So let's dive in. Let's zoom the lens back and get started with your journey a little bit. I would love to know how you got started on this wellness path. And did you grow up with health and wellness as being a priority in your life? And how and when did you make that transition?
1: That is such a wonderful place to start. Um, What I've been finding over uh, the years that i 've been doing this is that a lot of the the greats that are in this niche in this niche right now have very strange and uh, oft- oftentimes kind of counterintuitive backgrounds yeah. getting into this field and for me that 's definitely my story. I had no intentions on getting into health and I had uh, really no desire to uh, my My childhood was a vast uh, distinct difference from where i 'm at today. Uh, I really grew up in a paradigm where, you know, my grandmother, she loved me to death. You know, like that she she raised me the first five years of my life. And uh, I'm pretty sure that she did all the spoiling possible that a child could get. I had my own little table and chair and mm. um, I got to eat all my favorite foods, which was like fish sticks and uh, macaroni and cheese and things like that. And luckily, she snuck some broccoli in there every now and then, <laughs> but she put some cheese on it to get me to eat it, you know. And. Mm. That was great because you know I felt a lot of love, but at the same time she she was setting up my my childhood habits to become my adult habits, and she had no idea I'm sure that she was doing that because for me and I'm one of the top experts in the world, but I didn't eat a salad until I was 25 years old because of this, you know, and um, so now it's been almost 10 years I've been eating salad, everybody, but <laughs> because of those those habits, you know, um, I definitely have some good genetics. Um, because I didn't get hit with any major illnesses until, uh, until my teen years, because honestly, I mean, I was eating just fake food every day, every day, almost every meal. And, um, what happened with me was I was doing a time trial as an athlete in track practice and I was just doing a sprint. I was doing a time trial and the iliac crest, basically the, the top of my hip bone broke off while I was running.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And it's just like, what in the world? How does that even happen? You know, basically, yeah. I muscle and my bones were so weak that it came with it. And so I did the normal thing. You know, I went to physical therapy, worked with my coaches, got back got, got back in the game. Uh, got fo- Football was my real uh, focus. You know, I was just doing track to complement that and just went on with my, with my life until I was 20 years old and a still aspiring athlete um, with football and everything like that. But this is when things really really broke down for me. And this is when my life changed. I was diagnosed with something called degenerative disc disease. And um, essentially, my spine was deteriorating rapidly. And in in particular, the disc in my back. And I went from being a normal guy, in my opinion, to not being able to walk and crawling to the bathroom. And um, every time I would stand up I would get this, it's called sciatic pain, this sharp sciatic pain, so bad it felt like I was getting electrocuted every time I would stand up. Man. So that set me up for a lot of um, mental and obviously physical issues as well. But here's the real kicker, and this is what I want everybody to really walk away. If you walk away with anything today, is the outcome from the story, which is my doctor, uh, the first doctor that I spoke with, he sat me down and he showed me my scans And he told me that I had the spine of an 80 year old. And when I asked him, okay, so what do we need to do to fix this? You know, how can I get better? He looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, there's nothing you can do about this. You have the spine of an 80 year old son. This is just something you're going to have to live with. And my brain still by being such an aggressive character, I was like, there's, you know, I didn't register what he's told me. So I was like, should I change the way I'm eating? Does this have anything to do with the way I'm exercising? What can I do? And he kind of got frustrated with me. And he, you know, kind of scolded me and just saying, like, you know, you're going to have to manage this. It's not something you can change. And the funny thing is, he told me that this had nothing to do with what I was eating. But then he wrote me a prescription to eat some pills. <laughs> right? So that paradigm I got exposed to very quickly. And it just didn't sit right with me. So, um but needless to say, a couple years went by, two years, two and a half years, actually. And I saw five other doctors. Well, I'm sorry, five total doctors. And they all gave me the same story. And luckily, I didn't have surgery because I, at the time, because I was so disempowered, I would have done it if just, just so I could get my life back. Right. But luckily, I don't know, like some divine order was guiding this thing. And I didn't do that. And here's what changed. And this is what I want people to walk away with. It wasn't until two and a half years later that I stopped blaming everyone else and I stopped looking for someone else to help me and I made the decision within myself to get well. And That was the most important thing was I actually made the decision that I'm going to get well no matter what. Come what may, I'm going to get well. And a lot of people, they never actually make that decision or they have a slight intention or maybe they have some wishful thinking. They wish they can get better. But usually when that's attached to, you know, this disempowered mindset, which is, you know, why won't somebody help me? Why can't I get better? Why, why, why? And all these disempowering questions, your brain is wired up to answer questions. And even scripturally for some people, you know, if they're looking at kind of biblical thinking, you know, asking ye shall receive kind of paradigm. This is a real hard scientific fact, you know, that your brain is wired up to answer questions. So when you ask, you receive answers as to why it is you, you know, why can I get well? Why won't somebody help me? And I just started to really see, but oftentimes people won't see this clearly, but the, the lack of love in my life, the lack of good relationships, the lack of health, how I was take, not taking care of my own well-being and treating my body and my relationships, you know, at the time <laughs> – even though I was hurt, I still, you know, I was in college. I had a lot of girlfriends or whatever. So and my, I hope my wife, you know, she's, a, she's okay with it. She's okay. This <laughs> is bad day, But, um, you know, just really not honoring my body and honoring other people. And um, all that came rushing in. And um, when I start to ask empowering questions, you know, like, what is it that I need to do to get well? How do I need to change? And stop blaming the other person and people outside of me. And really tuning into myself and my inner guidance system, which is the most important guidance system. And I encourage everyone to be their own guru rather than looking to someone outside of themselves. Yes. Yeah. They can be helpful along the way, but it's ultimately you. You are, you are blessed. You are born with this gift. And another, I don't know why I'm doing the scriptural thing today, but um, Luke seventeen twenty-one. you can't say here it is. You can't see say there it is. No, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Yep. If everybody would just sit and meditate on that, you know, just really ingrain that into their body, you don't need any other scriptures. This is the only thing you need to understand. The kingdom of heaven is in you. You know, you have everything you need within yourself and you're very, very fortunate. And nothing that anyone says outside of yourself can write the story about you. It's only when you believe it. It's only when you take it on as your own, um, your own lot in life. That, that actually becomes your lot in life.
0: Right. And it's so funny because people were trained, you know, I think it's a society thing to think that all the answers are outside of ourselves. It's going to be the doctor that's going to cure you. It's going to be the nutritionist. It's going to be whoever, but really, you know, you're the one that's with yourself for the long haul, right? You know, you're the one that has the answers. You are the guru. You're the one that can empower yourself. And it's really funny that, um, you know, I I talk about this with with my um, friend Carly, who I know you know, Sean, and we talk about it all the time, that everybody comes to this conversation, people who are in this wellness world and want to help other people often – almost 100% of the time come to it because them themselves have had a experience where they've had to heal something or they've had to figure out exactly what you're talking about that the answer is within them. And, you know, it's not a book. It's not a person. It's not a doctor. The the answer is within you. And that's, I think, the best message um, from your story. I love that.
1: Yeah. There is a great – there's a great quote that I like to share with everybody as much as I can is that we teach what we want to learn, Yep. you know? So for myself, and it's a continuous process and, you know, these wonderful books and, and, and talks and information is out there, but it's just to get you to turn yourself on so that you can start to get out there and express yourself. And, you know, um, for me, I was so passionate. Let me make the long story short, which is after I made the decision to get well, Six weeks, six weeks later, it was as if if nothing had ever happened to me. You know, there was no pain. There was complete functionality in my joints. Amazing. And I felt like a new person. But the thing is, I don't know exactly when it happened because I was so busy having fun and getting well and being expressive and living my life again that I don't even know when it happened. But when I went back and got my x-rays and all that stuff, you know, the doctor, this is the same quote that many of my patients over the years have said to me once they go and see their doctor again is, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Right. Because he didn't have that. I mean, he couldn't rationally understand how did this man regenerate his spine? Yeah. You know. And the thing is, and for everybody, if anybody is dealing with an issue where they're lacking Um, you know, cartilage in their knee or, you know, meniscus or something in their spine, whatever the case may be, this is very simple principle. Your body works on a hierarchy of needs. Um, If you're not providing your body with the raw materials that it needs to regenerate your spine, it's going to be like robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. And it won't be able to, you know, so for me, my body was so deficient in calcium, let's say, you know, I was getting calcium. So I thought from processed, homogenized, pasteurized milk, but that's not the real stuff. Um, But I was so deficient in calcium and my body needs calcium to build your blood, to build my blood. It needs calcium for that, for your blood to clot. So your blood is kind of a little bit more important than your bones, right? So your body's going to go ahead and leach that calcium from your spine and from your hips first, because those are the banks. And for me, I broke my hip and my spine was degenerating. Huge catch tails like um warning sign right there that I wasn't aware of at the time because I wasn't this person then, or I was a different version of me, should I say, and once I understood that and I started to replenish in the form of real whole foods, in particular vegetables, you know funny enough, is like all these different diets that are out there, nobody's like, you know what vegetables are bad for you, you know there's no debate right, on right getting the calcium in that form through leafy green vegetables and things like that. It really changed the game for me, you know, and it I regenerated my body by giving my body the raw materials that it needed, and it knew what to do. It knew what to do. And um, just yesterday, I just thought of this um, because of what we brought up earlier. um, Being your own guru. Yesterday, one of my old—I mean, this is from like six years uh, ago—clients called me, and um, it was actually her mother. Her mother was a client of mine as well, and her mother was going to have. Uh, surgery to clean out her coronary artery on Friday, right? Because she had a scan done and they told her it's 90% blocked. And, you know, this, the girl who called me, she was so worried because she knew once this, once she has surgery, it's going to be a wrap. You know, you're going to have a whole lifetime of problems. Another thing I want to share with everybody is that surgery should be the far last thing on the table for you because it's, your body is not designed to get cut into. That's trauma. That's trauma. You know, in some cases, if there is a trauma that takes place beforehand and you need surgery to fix something, sure, that's great. But if you're a healthy human being, well, not. I mean, you might have an issue, but if you, you need to exhaust all the natural possibilities first before you go and have any invasive surgery. There's a deep, like, psychological, um, emotional trauma that takes place. It's kind of like... Um, I don't want to use the word rape but it's similar to that. You know, you're you're allowing your body to be um to be infiltrated by something that's very abnormal, okay? So she called me in very being very upset and I took her mother through and I examined her what she was eating and she thought she was doing so well. Her breakfast would be things like um, blueberries, strawberries, dried cranberries, uh cantaloupe and whole oats, okay? So all those things to the normal lay person will sound really healthy, but that's all sugar. Everything I just listed, that's carbohydrates. And every day she's doing that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For dinner, she's like having some whole wheat pasta and some you know, some um, spaghetti sauce or something like that. But every meal, it's carb loaded. And to make this really simple for everybody, it's not the cholesterol that you eat in your diet, it's not fats that you eat in your diet. When you eat a certain amount of carbohydrates, matter of fact, let's just take it out and you eat a carbohydrate meal. The first thing that's going to happen is your body has to get that, that glucose out of your blood very, very fast or it will kill you. Having all that carbohydrate in your blood is like little shards of glass and will start to tear up stuff. So your, your body and its infinite intelligence will start to fill up your liver. It's, it's known as the liver glycogen. And if you eat enough carbohydrates in a meal or throughout the day, your liver glycogen is going to get so full that it's going to top off. And here again, your body cannot put that sugar back into your bloodstream because it will kill you. So your body and its infinite intelligence will turn that glucose into something called palmitic acid, which is a a fatty acid. And then it's going to get packaged with cholesterol and some amino acids. And it forms a particle known as VLDL, very low dense lipoprotein. And people have heard that LDL is the bad cholesterol, which is not the complete story, but it has a greater chance of being something bad. Now, this is very bad. This is very low in lipoprotein. And it's because of this liver glycogen spillover because you ate so much sugar, all right? So her doctor had no explanation for this. She was like, your, doc, your diet is amazing. This is, I don't understand she <laughs> had these symptoms. But it's because they're taught the same paradigm of like right. all your healthy whole grains, so I explained this to her in a way that she could understand. I had her go and watch one of my videos where I dictated this. Um, and like this video on YouTube, it's, um, what is heart disease? We'll
0: and like, post that link below.
1: Awesome. And, and so many medical students are on there in the comments section just giving me props like they never heard it in that way and made complete sense.
0: Which is you crazy know? and that's a whole other topic of the broken system there, but right. we'll get into that.
1: So. so she, she really took that on and I just suggested, I was like, you know, if I were you, I would give this three months because even though they're telling you this is this dire situation, it didn't happen overnight and you're not going to pass away right now, you know, like you're okay, you can do right. something else about this. And so, you know, she agreed to it. And essentially, for me, this is very draining work when I'm working one-on-one with somebody because their life is on the line. If right. I don't communicate that message to that one person I don't even know, you know. I don't. Mean, I don't want to get into what can happen, but it's not. Usually, it's not going to be the best thing. And I'm going by my inner guidance system.
0: And it's a lot on your shoulders.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I could have possibly saved this woman's life. And now I've really shifted my practice over because I would do that, like as a doctor. Like doctors were my clients, chiropractors, um, and then of course um, lawyers and and um, the you know um, home mothers and uh, dancers. You know, just regular, quote, regular people as well. But every day I would be seeing these patients and it was really just, it's such a giving thing where you're giving so much and you need to find a way to refill, your, refill yourself. And I found that speaking for me is that thing. So when I get out in a room of, if it's 500 people, I'm totally energized, you know, even afterwards. Versus when I'm working with somebody one-on-one, it's, it's like, um, it's a very um, energy, Depleting thing for me because I'm giving so much, and you really open yourself up, and that's a wonderful thing. But I do a a lot less of that for me now. I'm really, I think, I think of myself as like a spark maker, yeah. You know, I'm able to get into a room of you know 500 people and turn on people that are going to help others,
0: yes. It's, I, I can relate to that so much, and I think, um, I recently just heard this in an interview of Danielle Laporte, she was saying that knowing what where your strengths are are very important like some people are really great one on one and I know for me like I'm not great one on one but I love groups you know and And that's something that is really powerful for you as a person to kind of know where you excel. And that's kind of a perfect um, segue to another thing I wanted to ask you. You know, I mean, you have that charisma. Some of that stuff just can't be taught and you've got to do what you love and and really expand on that. And for you, like I said, you know, you're so authentic, you're so articulate and you just have such a knack for being a speaker and a host and, and bringing these concepts to mainstream and bringing these concepts to people that... It's very new for them. So for someone who wants to use that type of platform and really use the spoken word, how would you recommend and what are some things that you do for developing that skill and honing in on that skill? I'd love to know kind of your pre-show protocol or how you prep yourself to be on stage and kind of what advice you have there.
1: Okay. Well, there's kind of two questions there. So I'll start with the first, which is what do we do to – really elevate your game if you want to get out and speak in front of people or you want to reach a broader audience or you want to be so engaging that people actually listen to you.
0: Yeah. Even in your normal life, you know, even day to day. Totally. Yeah.
1: So the first, this is the top of the list here. First and foremost, this is the big thing, listen, listen, you need to learn how to listen. And it's a shame that in our culture, we have to learn how to listen. Um, listening is, that's the game right there. It's being able to actually hear what the people are saying, hear what another person is saying so that you can cater your message or your delivery so that it actually is able to penetrate them and get to their soul, get to their heart. A lot of people spend too much time talking and this is why we have two ears and one mouth, right? Yeah. Need to spend, in my opinion, twice as much time listening. And I'm, I'm just going to start things off with there. Now we're going to get into kind of my thing, uh, which is for me, I'm, I'm a situational extrovert. You know, um, I grew up, I was the shy kid. Right. And even in college, I remember clearly like it happened twice. People saw me at the gym and they were like in classes with me and they saw me at the gym and they were like, oh, my God, you talk like I seriously <laughs> thought you were mute. Twice somebody said that to me. They thought I couldn't talk. (laughs) And, you know, being that person, I really feel that um, whether you call it the divine or God, but God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called.
0: Mm.
1: God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. I was called to do this, and I I know that. Yes. And life really qualified me to be able to do it. And because of me being such an introverted person and somebody who spent most of his time listening and kind of sitting in the background and paying attention, I was a really good vessel for this, for this message to really come through because I've really paid attention and heard so much and seen so much in my young years. You know, the funny thing is a lot of times when people meet me for the first time or they come to a workshop or they even get referred to my office and they'd never seen me before, they're like, I thought you were older. Oh my God, you know, because, you know, I did this at a very young age and it's because of the qualification process that happened.
0: Right.
1: And, um, so you want to really be adamant about listening, listen, now we can get into more specifics, which is take some time and listen to great speakers, you know? So some of the people that you admire, and it's not one time, you don't sit there and put on a Tony Robbins CD or whatever, or a video and watch one time. You need to watch that same one over and over and yeah. over again. In our culture, we're very like here today, gone today kind of thing, you know, where we think, oh, we've heard that before. No, 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 You not really. If it didn't really ingrain itself into you, if, if it's not part of your cellular makeup at this point, then you don't really have it. You know, so I would listen to people that really I love the way that they talked and the messages. And I would listen to the same thing over and over and over again until it became a part of my, it's just something subtle in my voice, you know, it's something changed. And it's a result of that, I know for certain. Uh, Another big key here is your intention and the decision that we talked about earlier with even getting well, same thing applies here. And um, for me, it's not just the intention of being a great speaker, but now we take it to the level of visualizing it. You know, so um, the, the number one thing that changed me in my life that got me from where I was to where I am today and moving forward is meditation. And that was the greatest gift that I've ever been given. It was my mother-in-law. And I remember when I first met her, she literally, I think maybe it was the second time that I was around her. And she was like, if I could give people one gift, it would be meditation. Wow. And at the time, I Smart was this. lady. Right. And I was, I was just like, know it all. You know, I'm this health guy. Yeah. And this was like. 10 years ago. So I was like one and a half years in the game. And, you know, because I helped some people lose some weight or whatever, I thought I knew everything. And here's this woman saying this statement to me. And I'm like, if you can give everybody something like give me a million dollars, you know, like, <laughs> patient, you know, until I actually had the opportunity. And she she taught her a class and it changed my life. I remember, because I'm, I'm such an analytical person. She took us through what was going on on a more of a physiological level first. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, the breathing does this with the blood and all. Like, that makes sense. Like, I was more open to it. And she described the first meditation we were going to do, which was a um, Anahata chakra meditation. You know, it's a yes. heart chakra. And I'm really a heart-based person. So we went into the meditation, and I remember this. And I don't know if anybody's going to relate to this or not, but I think somebody will. I was prepared for it. I closed my eyes, and then I woke up. I woke wow. up for the first time in my life. I realized at that gives point- gives me chills. I had never had a real conscious thought up until that moment. I was just living. I was just going through the motions. I didn't I didn't realize that I was alive. You know, I didn't really get it. And ever since then, you know, my life has been I've pretty much got it down now, but the next couple years after that it was like I spent most of my time trying to integrate back into my life again because it was this—it uh, was a radical shift in the way that I was moving in the world, and it was very uncomfortable, you know, honestly. But there was such the bliss moments were so high beyond anything I've ever experienced. But the day to day was really difficult because I knew that there was something greater, you know. Um, but I don't want to stay stay on that too much. Um, so th- that meditation is very, very powerful for you to sit and to be still. And again, this is where we, this listening, the first word I started with really takes place because it's not just listening to the people outside of you, but being able to listen into your, to your own inner voice, yeah. listen to your own calling, listen to your heart and you need to be still and quiet enough to do that in this noisy, noisy world, because your spirit knows, your spirit knows what to do already. It's just you being still and quiet enough to hear it. And I've got so many incredible downloads that, I mean, that things that have never existed in this world before have come through me, you know, and I can't explain that. And it's the one thing. So that's that. Um, And let me give you, you also asked about the pre-talk. What do I do? Yeah, I want to know. Okay. So for me, I have a little ritual. I really feel ritual is important. And it's something very small, you know, um, for anybody. It could be because it's not just about your, the, um, the emotion, the mindset, it's their physiology, too. You know, so if you sit up really tall now, like you sit up tall in your chair or you stand up tall if you're listening to this, you immediately feel more powerful.
0: I you just know? did you feel, it. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: feel stronger. And, you know, depression is the opposite. You know, if you sit down real low in your chair and you slump your shoulders down and kind of put your head down. Your, your body starts to feel more depressed, like your, 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 your emotions and your mindset starts to move towards more of a depression place. So before I do a talk or before I do an interview even or before I do my show or anything where I need to be on, even before I write, I just kind of have this little thing. It's like a little warrior thing where I kind of jump up and down, kind of pump my fist a little bit. And it's just my trigger, it, like tells my body to be in a certain state and my mind to be in a certain state. And it's just this little thing that I do.
0: I love that.
1: (laughs) So I always do that. I did it before we got on today.
0: Yes. I'm going to start doing it now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I do that. And also um, just being still. I'm already prepared because of my life. I really feel that people get tied up trying to be too perfect in giving their presentation that they miss out on the present moment you know, and really allowing those gifts to come through you. So I sit and be still. I don't go through my paperwork or, you know, whatever it is, my notes. Yeah. I do that in before, before I do it, you know, but now it's time to just be still. And I ask, and I've never shared this before. <laughs> I ask that spirit will speak through me. Yep. And I ask that the words that I speak talk right through. And I've never I've never said this out loud before. That's so why it's kind of hard to say that the words that I speak are able to reach through to the heart of everybody who hears my voice and helps them to become a greater version of themselves. So I would sit and just kind of meditate on that. It's kind of like my mantra. And I don't know how you got me to say I've never said it before.
0: I love it. I love it. We're getting this special information and it's no wonder why you're so amazing because that. That sounds great, and it's it, it's it's like I always say that too. You know, sometimes when I say something that is profound, or you know, it's yeah, I'm a big audio learner. So, like you were saying before, I loved that when you were saying, you know, listening to the same thing over and over. That's what I do to a T. Like I listen to the same Gabrielle Bernstein lecture, the same Marianne Williamson, or the same you or whoever. Six, seven, eight times, you know, sometimes in a row daily. And it's like yeah. I have it memorized completely, but it's like I get something new and different every single time. Not because it's changed, but because I've changed and I'm at a different point and I'm more receptive to hear it. And it's like when I do say something profound, I, it's, I don't know where it comes from. It's something that just – I'm like, oh, my God, that was so good. Where did that come from? I have no idea. And I can't even take credit for it because it's (laughs) something that came through. You know, meditation – prayer is the time to ask and meditation is the time to listen. And that's when those creative possibilities can can come in, when you sit – and you're quiet, and you listen, and I think that's really what you are getting at, and and that's why, um, you know that that magnetism that you have for people when presenting information is so powerful because of the things that you just shared. So that's really awesome.
1: Awesome! Oh my goodness! Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, so we've kind of gotten, I went a little out of order with my questions, but it's perfect. I want to get a little bit back to you, and I think we kind of got into this a little bit, but when did you decide you had been healing yourself from this condition, but when did you know that you wanted to make this into your career, and how was making that transition? Do you have any um, advice for people there?
1: Absolutely. Um, Again, if if this is your path, then it will be presented to you. You know, because I was in this state and I was just I was feeling life, I was getting well, somebody came up to me because I was at the time I was at my university, I was still in school, and someone came up to me, they saw the transformation that took place because it wasn't just something that was internal. You can see the physical change outside of myself, right. because you know, I was probably 50 pounds overweight at the time, and I had lost about 30 of that just in those six weeks. And for me, I'm a naturally kind of slimmer guy, you know, like I really have to work hard to put weight on. And, you know, it's the higher quality problem, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, as soon as I started to get active again, as soon as I started to do the things that my body, my genes expected me to do, um, that weight just came off of me and people saw that. And um, so my first client came up to me. And they just asked, can I help them? Like, I saw what you did. And can you help me do this? And that's when everything started. You know, like the universe presented, presented the people to me. And it's like, I wasn't looking to help anybody. I didn't even know yet that that's what I wanted to do. But as soon as I started to help the first person, I fell in love. Yeah. You know, so that's when it all happened for me
0: that 's so funny I, I can you know even relate to that in in my little sense of this too it 's like I used to get Facebook message after Facebook message and emails and mostly Facebook messages from people i didn 't really even know, but they would you know they would see I had done my yoga teacher training they would see pictures and they were just like hey, what do you do? What do you eat? What do you do to work out? What do you do for yoga? How do I get started meditating? And I would get so many questions and I loved them and I would really take a lot of time to get back to them and and that was why I started my blog because it got so overwhelming at one point that I was like, I wish there was this place, this wellness wonderland I could send everyone and I just made oh. it. And it's like when you really have that need like you did of helping people because you know you can, It's that's when I think the best kind of things can come forward. I love that. I can relate so so
1: much. I totally agree. And, you know, because of you stepping up and saying yes to it, that's why I'm here today, you know, like created this container for all this awesomeness to be put into, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. And you actually brought up something I've never said this before either, but you were getting all those messages and I get so many messages and wonderful emails um, every day. And I've had a lot of trouble getting back to people now because I put so much into it. I don't just give somebody a one sentence, you know, yeah, right. t- try drinking spring water. You know, like yeah. I, I give a lot. I give so much because I don't want to leave people, um, you know, with an open ended kind of thing. Yeah. I want to lose the loop, you know? So, um, I really appreciate that quality in you, you know, cause I've, I do that myself and really put a lot into communication with everybody. And um you know we're not perfect; we can't get right. to everybody and to answer every question, but this is why we create entities like this because yeah. you can reach so many more people at one time, and it's so funny how you answer questions that people oftentimes they didn't even know they had until they hear it, yeah you know? so yeah.
0: and it and it's funny too, because we You know, putting yourself out there and and doing this work. It's like what we were talking about at the very beginning about you teach what you need to learn, because I know for me, like when I do the best blog posts, the ones that get the most response or whatever, are the ones that I like didn't really want to write. You know, they're the ones that like were hardest for me that were like something I really needed. And, you know, people say, like, thank you so much. It was just what I needed. Thank you for writing that. It was like, you wrote it for me. And I was like, no, I wrote it for me. Like, I needed that. You know, sometimes I like have to go back and, and even the stuff that I do, I think if putting things out there that there's an, that you have a need for, I think that can really, really help people. And I know that's what you do, Sean, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I love that. So we, I think we have, it was, So great to get that special stuff you've never told anybody before. That's amazing. And now I want to get into some of the concepts here. So um, in one of your recent podcasts, you talk about neurons and mirror neurons. And I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about mirror neurons and how they can be used positively and negatively when it comes to health and wellness.
1: Okay. I would love to. Um, This is something I'm really fascinated with, and I've been studying for a couple of years now. I think it's been about four years since I really got my hands around this research. And the mirror neurons, this is a part of the newly discovered, what scientists are calling the social brain. You know, we've got these different sections of our brain, really um, very evolved frontal cortex uh, that human beings have that no other animals have in the capacity that we do. And we have this section of our brain called the social brain. And how this was discovered, it was some Italian scientists, and they were doing some lab experience with uh, a lab laboratory monkey, which I'm not recommending that that's okay. But they were doing some experiments, and they had the monkey hooked up to the brain the, the wave reading technology. And every time, they were studying how the monkey's brain would fire once he would do certain things. So they were studying his eating habits, you know, what part of the brain would fire and every time the monkey would grab and eat a peanut, his brain would fire in a certain place. So what they found was they weren't doing an experiment. The monkey was just sitting in his cage, and, but the equipment was still hooked up to the monkey. And one of the lab assistants picked up a peanut and ate it. And the, the monkey's brain fired as if the monkey was the one doing it. So the monkey just witnessed someone else doing it, and their brain fired, his brain fired, as if it was him. Okay? Okay. So that's how it all got discovered that it's this observer effect. It's this, um, you know, where this whole monkey see, monkey do thing came in. When you witness something, when you, and this can be visual, this can be auditory, there is a part of your brain that's firing as if you're doing it. So let's start with the negative perspective. When you're watching violent movies, when you're um, killing people on a video game all day, when you're watching all the... The, the the gossip and all the, you know, reality shows with all this ridiculous behavior and not really painting human beings in a good light. But it's this entertainment for the sake of like this um, guilty pleasure kind of stuff. When you're watching that stuff, your brain is firing as if you're the one doing it. So it's really training and deeply ingraining in your body. And because what's said is that uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So this brain, like your brain is firing off all the time. And you're really wiring up your system. You're hardwiring yourself to seek out this type of behavior and to do this type of behavior. This is very empowering or disempowering if you really grasp this. So, And this is how children actually come to learn. You know, All of us do this. You don't actually tell a child what to do. They just start doing it. They're, they're replicating or, or mirroring what the parent or the older sibling or what they're watching on TV, Dora, whoever they're paying attention to. They're replicating that. You can't sit the child down and explain, you know, go and run. Uh, Like my my son, when he was one year year old, like go and run to that base and then run back. You know, he doesn't doesn't understand language yet, you know, when he's just literally turned one or he's like 11 months old or whatever. He doesn't understand language yet, but he can watch it. Like he watches his, his older brother do it and he'll just go do it. You know, because his mirror neurons are literally programming his body to replicate the behavior he's watching. All right, so that's a little bit of a negative perspective when you're unconsciously oftentimes allowing this stuff into your internal world, okay? Now let's flip the switch on this and understand how powerful this is from a positive, empowering perspective. We live at the greatest time ever because we're able to not just have an intention on something, but you can get yourself around any and everybody that you're interested in getting yourself around. You can hop on to YouTube and use it for good. Instead of watching fail videos, you know, you can put on a powerful talk from Wayne Dyer or whoever the person is, um, Marianne Williamson. You can put that on and your brain is firing as if you're the one who's speaking to you. All right. When you're watching uh, Wayne Dyer on the stage, Your brain is firing as if you're the one that's walking on stage. And this is magnitudes of power depending on your proximity as well. So this is why live events are so powerful and transformative. Because when you're in the space, it does take it up to quantum levels for sure. But you don't need that per se. It just makes it happen faster. So when you're watching a speaker speak, your brain is firing as if you're doing it. When you're listening to my voice right now, there's a part of you that's simulating you are the one that's speaking. This is why it's so powerful. And this is why you need to stand guard to the door of your mind and ensure that you're getting yourself around positive, affirmative, empowering conditions. You are a product of your environment. That's how humans are designed. But we are also, we're beyond that because we can create our own environment. Mm. This is what makes humans. So, good. so understanding this, this is your call and your duty right now to make sure that you're like... We've got this big um, launch coming up. It's January 9th. I'm doing a free live webinar. People can head to my website and, and they can check it out.
0: Yes, we'll have all that below too.
1: I'm doing essentially what I do in a keynote presentation. I'm going to do online in a webinar. You know, I've never done this before and I'm going to just bring it. I'm gonna, because there's so many people who can't attend live events with me. So I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. So by you understanding you know, what this is going to be about is new year, new body. Right, new your new body. And for the people who want to lose weight, it's not the external things, the outer game stuff of you losing weight, it's simple. Eating good food, exercising, and sleeping, right? They're simple, but why can't we do them?
0: Right.
1: It's the inner game stuff. That's what we really need to work on. And this is where we have to say, okay, I want to get in shape. I have to immerse myself in this, I have to be around. Empowering messages and people who lift me up and people who keep continuously motivate me I can't just be like I'm gonna get in shape for 2014 I need to make this a part of my life and this is 2014 and beyond this is forever And I need to make sure that the environment is matching that so And this is something that hurts what I'm about to talk about You might need to In many instances let go of some relationships you might need to, the, the, your family members or your friends who are constantly gossiping or, or pulling you down or saying that you can't do something or saying that you're stupid or you're crazy or just more of the subliminal stuff where they know that you're on a new level, you're working to get your life together and your body in shape, but then they're showing up at your house with like donuts, right? They know, they know that that's not what you're about. Why are they trying to sabotage you? And here's the thing, I want to make this clear. It's not because they don't like you or they don't love you. They love you so much. But that's their inner world. Their inner world sees a threat and they don't want to lose you. So that's what they're doing. It's a defensive mechanism because you can either you can either build a taller building so that you can match up to everybody, or you can knock the other buildings down. Okay, and get them back to your level.
0: Wow. That's people, so interesting.
1: Most people will take that second approach because it's a lot of work to build yourself up, you know, but knocking someone down, that's real easy. And there's a lot of Internet gangsters out there who who specialize in that, you know. And uh, but again, you got to put that in its proper perspective and understand they just want love, too. You know, so uh, I don't want it to, you know, what we're saying, these are bad people, but just understand it's still it's your life and you have to take responsibility for it. So you have to have the audacity to say no. You have to have the audacity to turn that off and to say, I'm not going to participate in this. I love you, but I'm going to love you from over here. If you're not going to be more encouraging and affirmative in my life, I I can't do this. You know, I'm done. And then this is the thing. The universe adhords a vacuum or better yet, there's a Bruce Lee quote. I don't remember remember it exactly, but essentially he says um, to make yourself devout so that you can gain totality. So to completely empty yourself so that you can be filled. When you make room, when you remove that from your life, you, you allow space for that good stuff to come in. Right now, if you're struggling with where you are, it's probably because your cup is too damn full. You really feel that you've got it all. You know it all. You know, you've got so much going on in your life. You're so busy. There's so much going on. La, 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 la. I can't because, because of this, because of that. All these butts. And another Tony Robbins quote comes up for me is like, if you've got a lot of butts, it's probably because you have a big one. Yeah. You know? And I don't think it's the best quote, but in some instances, this can be the case. You know, it's just so many excuses. And th- honestly, though, let me take a step back. It's nothing wrong with having a big butt. All right. Mm-hmm. So back to, back to this understanding. When you're so full of all these ideas and misconceptions, you're not making room for that new revelation to come in. Are because you're so full of these people who are battling against you and who are pulling you to that old paradigm, you're not making room for that new special person to come into your life or that new coach or that new friend or that new support system because you're too full. And people are afraid. Like It's a deep human need that we're afraid to lose something. We're, we're more afraid of losing something than to gain something. And You've got to understand that basic human wiring because that fear is not real. Okay, you lose when you lose something, you really are gaining the world. You know, it's it's finding the message in it, because every single person in your life, they're there for a purpose. And oftentimes it's to teach us something. And if you're not getting the message, you're just going to get keep getting hit with this over and over and over again. And I hope that makes sense. So
0: it it does. And I was I'm just thinking the whole time I'm, I'm listening intently, but also thinking to myself, Wow, I'm so glad I'm recording this because I can't wait to re-listen to this and re-listen to this and re-listen to it like we were talking about before because it's so inspiring. It's just so good. So thank you. You're so <laughs> welcome, you're
1: welcome.
0: Um, Awesome. Gosh, that's so good. I'm like super inspired. And like I said, I can't wait to hear it again. But I'd love to transition a little bit and get into the food and nutrition conversation for people because I know people want um, your insights there. So I would love if you could start us off kind of – this is kind of like a two-parted question. So on the vein of nutrition, if you could give us a couple, maybe two, three tips for people getting started on this path, people getting started making sustainable changes in their lives. And then also a couple tips for people – I mean, just to be really honest, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in this kind of world. You know, they are young people. Most, they look like me, right? You know, they're young girls who are interested in wellness and want to kind of take their health and wellness to the next level. What kind of principles could they take away
1: from this? Okay. Those are awesome questions. So um, for people just getting started, uh, there is – I'm, I'm going to share what I – Put in place for my clients all right so
0: amazing
1: the the first premise and i do this in a real ninja way so they don't even know they're doing it <laughs> first premise is removing fake food all right removing inflammatory food and for me what i'll do is i'll generally usually like nine times out of ten i'll pull out all grains out of somebody's diet um, just for the first 30 days and just running it as an experiment. So getting rid of the bread, the, uh, the pasta, uh, all the flours and things like that. And this is because, this is very important for people to walk away with as well, is that it's not just about this whole gluten thing. That's a new thing. And it's kind of funny because this has been going on for a long time, but people had all these problems, but they didn't know why. So now gluten has become like this huge, you know, devil, Right. But the thing was, it's been there the whole time and people have been suffering with it, but it's because public awareness has happened. I'm telling everybody right now, this is what's coming next. It's not just gluten-free. It's these compounds that are found in these grain products in the first place, these anti-nutrients. So in, in wheat, there's gliadin, all right? And this is the important thing. It's not the gluten. The gluten, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not just the gluten, but gliadin in 100%. Clinically proven, 100% of the people will trigger your gut to produce something called zonulin, which the next step is zonulin tears into your gut lining. And this is what creates that permeable, uh, which should be semi-permeable, but a completely permeable gut environment. So this allows all these foreign food particles to get into your inner system, okay? Because from your mouth to your anus is like a tube, and any food... And your body is really outside of this tube, but anything that goes from inside that tube to in your body, it need, your, your body has to be very, very on guard about that. It's the most sacred thing. It's why the majority of your immune system is located in your gut. People hear about your immune system. Where is it? Most of it's in your gut because that's the front line. So by you eating any of these grain, like wheat, we're talking about wheat here, any of these wheat products at all, the gluten is one problem, but... The gliadin and the Subsequential production of Zonulins happens in 100% of the people Let me say that again, 100% of the people Their gut gets damaged But it's just, now here's the thing is It's different levels of magnitude Based on your genetics So some, some people can go their whole lives Eating healthy whole grains And not really have any Noticeable side effects to their Awareness, okay? However, some people have the exact opposite. If they have one small exposure, all, everything is going you know, south. Everything is breaking down. But I just want everybody to understand that 100% of the people are having an inflammatory response to this. But the noticeability is just different. So when I pull this out for everybody, nine times out of ten, maybe maybe a little bit more than that, what happens over the next 30 days is even if somebody didn't come in for weight loss, they lost weight. You know, and, you know, we check back in after three weeks, you know, they've lost five, 10 pounds just by eliminating these inflammatory carbohydrates because your body will intrinsically hold on to more of a buffer, which is going to be water. Um, because it's kind of like if you're inflamed, what do you need? You need more liquid. You need more fluid. And your body's just going to kind of hold on to that because it needs a protective mechanism. So you're not in pain. Your body's all about preventing you from feeling this pain. Or if it gives you pain as a feedback, it's telling you to do something different. So that's the number one thing that I have people do is I'll pull that stuff out. Now, here's what makes me different. I never take something away from somebody without giving them something of equal or greater value. Nice. All right. So I introduce people to things, to flavor sensations, to joy, to enjoying their food in ways that they can kind of forget about what they were doing because they're enjoying what they're doing now. Right? So – Many times, this is why I don't do this as much anymore with my clients, I'll put together like we'll have a little uh, cooking class, you know, like we'll, I'll bring them over to, to my place or to my mother-in-law's place who I mentioned earlier and we'll get together and we'll make some food and we'll have a good time. So it's also, it's also associating all those positive feelings with it, you know, like when they're making foods, like, you know, hanging out with me and my family and it's because a lot of my clients end up being a part of my extended family as well. So it's giving those new neuro associations right with with food, with these different foods for some people, but having a really positive experience you know so that's another thing is um, when you're wanting to change your eating habits, uh, if you can you know make it a fun experience you know put put your favorite music on, um, have friends over, you know make it a, a positive experience that helps to make this more deeply ingrained and not some service thing like. I'm going to go and try this and I know I'm going to hate it. You know, you're already setting yourself up for failure. So that's the the first thing I do is I pull out and eliminate grains and I encourage people to do that. Just give it a shot for 30 days and just check in with yourself and see how you how you feel, how you look and how you're operating on a day-to-day basis. I can almost guarantee you that you're going to feel a billion times better and you're going to look better and you're going to be like I'm not I know now that I had a problem with this stuff, you know? So that's what I'll, that's number one. Number two is you have to find better upgrades. You know, you have to find things to replace what you were doing that you really enjoy. That's the second thing. And one more third thing for people getting started. And I said this earlier, which is to eliminate fake food. So I'm a big advocate and I, you know, uh, talked with Sean Croxton several times and uh, we hang out recently in, in uh, San Diego, but he has the underground wellness radio show. Yeah. and um, His big thing is jerf. Just eat real food. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And for me, you know, I've been talking about this for 10 years, you know, of eat real food. But we have this hierarchy of what we what we think that is. Right. Bread is not real food. Can you tell when you see a piece of bread, can you tell where it came from? Like, can you actually look at it and see like if you were from, another planet, or you're from an indigenous hunter-gatherer tribe and you see a piece of bread, can you actually tell where it came from? It doesn't look like the wheat. In
0: no. You. And you have to say the thing you said in your conversation with Carly. It's like my favorite line when you're like, Brad, you're going to need a license to get that stuff in the future. Because it was <laughs> like my favorite line ever.
1: I guarantee you, I guarantee you within the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to look back on this moment in human history and our health And we're going to realize that eating this genetically modified dwarf wheat and all these bread products was one of the biggest tragedies in human history. And seriously, it's going to be like, you know, yeah, it's going to be like smoking and or it's going to be like, you know, you need a prescription to get this stuff or you're going to, you know, you're going to be like peddling out there in the corner. Hey, you got that? You got that bagel? (laughs) And, you know, you're going to live in that paradigm where yeah. stuff is like... It's not funny, be...
0: but I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: because we got to laugh at this stuff, too. Yeah. We got to keep it. But, and I found also that's another tool, too, is that instead of making stuff so serious for people, too, um, sometimes that's valuable. But oftentimes it's just like tapping into our inner humor and our, our ability to look at things and be like, you know what? That is stupid. I can't believe I was doing that. You for know, sure. Versus, you know, like, you are stupid. I, I can't believe you're doing this. You know? It's a different tonality and a different way we take things in. So, yeah. Um, so those are three things to get people started. So things that you can actually recognize where they come from. For the next 30 days, just eat real food you can recognize. You can do some amazing things with those foods. Create amazing dishes. And I'm really, I don't play around. Like, my food has to taste good. I'm all about, I'm all about stuff tasting good. You know, so um, you can take those real foods and make some incredible dishes. There's a bunch of amazing, you know, recipe books out there now. It's like it's the best time ever to be alive, you know, the stuff we have access to. So um, I guess we can move on to the next level stuff for people. Yeah, This is what I really like talking about. I love talking about this stuff um, because ultimately this is where I want to be. I want to I want to speak with people who are it's like, OK, we've got this handled. Like We're healthy. Right, Sean? We got that. We're exercising. We got that. We're sleeping good. We got it. How can we be superhuman? Yeah. So for me, the conversation starts with real longevity, real anti-aging. And honestly, I I don't get out and talk about this anymore because I don't feel that I am – I don't feel that it's my proper place and I don't feel that I'm qualified because I am only, you know, I'm going to be 35. I'm I'm not old, you know? But when people see me, like people see my daughter who's in high school and she they'll see me, like I dropped my daughter off at a friend's the other day and the friend's mother didn't believe that I was her father. You know, she she didn't, she thought I was some guy dropping her off. I'm like, no, this is my daughter. I'm telling you, you know, because I do look radically younger than, you know, 90 plus percent of the other parents out there. But I'm talking about, I used to go and speak at universities about this anti-aging, um, information and technology, and I'm going to share this with everybody, you know, I haven't talked about this in a while, but the conversation for me starts with how long can I live and really cherish and enjoy this life and keep my faculties and really enjoy life to the fullest because some people will come at me and say, well, Sean, we're, we're living longer now. No, in reality, we're dying longer. We're keeping people alive, but the quality of, quality of of life sucks, you know, and I don't want to be that person. So Elizabeth Blackburn, I believe it was in 2008, won the Nobel Prize for her discover, discovery of the telomeres, telomeres, right? So I like to give the analogy, and I learned this from um, from Truth, uh, Truth Calkins, the analogy of on your shoestrings, there are these end caps, those little plastic end caps, mm-hmm. and those are like the telomeres, okay? And the shoestring is like your DNA. So every time your cells replicate, a little bit of your telomeres get clipped off. A little bit of that shoestring, the the plastic capping gets clipped off. And I don't know if anybody's ever tried to, to tie a shoestring when it's all frayed up, but it sucks. And essentially for you, once you get to that place where your DNA can get frayed like that, that's when you die. That's when the programs start to take place for your genes to turn on programs for your body to break you down into base materials. That's really what death is. Okay? That's really, in some instances, what cancer is. It's breaking you down into base materials. Okay? It's trying to take over your system. But that's another conversation. Okay, so these telomeres are the closest thing we have to a biological clock. Like We actually can tell how long we're going to live based on the function of these telomeres. Some things that shorten your telomeres faster and clip those little um, end casings off faster are things like smoking, um, sleep deprivation, um, drinking heavy amounts of alcohol, eating fake food, all the stuff we know about. You'll die faster. Okay, But with modern technology, we can keep you alive, but your quality of life will be poor. What's been discovered is that there's an enzyme that can actually add length back onto those telomeres. And what I'm talking about here is not this is not anti-aging, really. This is like you physiologically, biologically getting younger. This isn't some woo-woo anti-aging science, you know, like, oh, you know, we're trying to we're trying to pretend like we can stay younger. We're talking about actually making you a younger version of yourself. So for people to get this, this is a great analogy of, you know, your body right now, Katie. Is completely different from when you were five, right? That five-year-old version of you is like completely different. How did that happen? Well, every time those telomeres get clipped, your body's printing off different copies of you, okay? So it's like literally it's built into our DNA and into these telomeres that when it gets clipped off, we're going to print out older copies of Katie. So adding length back in there, your body's going to start in theory – What's been proven actually now is that it's going to start printing off younger copies of you. All right? So this isn't like I'm taking antioxidants to protect my skin. This is I'm printing off younger copies of me. So powerful. Crazy stuff. Super cool. Okay. So with all that said, here's, here's what they found. Telomerase is found in the greatest instance in a Chinese medicinal herb called astragalus. Okay? So they're taking extra- extracts of astragalus the telomeres and creating these like super supplements. And right now these are like thousands of dollars. Like if you're trying to get a bottle of this stuff it's like $2,000. It's ridiculous. Damn. And I don't recommend anybody does this. Yeah. But I know I know scientists and um experts out there who are taking this stuff and then they're getting their telomeres checked and they're adding length back onto their telomeres, which is fascinating. So eventually that science is going to be more available to the, to the public, cool. but right now, I mean, I can't in, in all honesty say that just taking a astragalus is going to do any of this for you because it's such a small, small, small amount that's in there, but the, the, the Chinese herbalists, the, um, the ancient Chinese herbalists understood this anti-aging medicine to a great de- degree, and I really feel that the magic is in the combination of these things. So, making these tonics, you know, things like um, the rishi mushroom, astragalus, uh, goji berries, which goji berries have this um, sesquiter- sesquiterpian uh, oils, these compounds that trigger your body to produce more human growth hormone. And that, in and of itself, that's the anti aging, um, not anti aging, it's the youth hormone, You can put it like that. So, this is what changes when we're like a kid with all energy and then things start to go down is we have far less amount of production of human growth hormone. So combining all these things together, and I don't know the exact formulas, you know, I don't know, but you've got to play with this stuff and to find out which tonics really do it for you. You know, because if you're living in a way that you're eating real food, and then you're combining that with the wonderful medicines, the plant medicines that we have access to, you can live in extremely vigorous, vital, healthy, beautiful life you know so um i'm so i'm just gonna say next level look into astragalus um look into goji berries but find out how to use them you don't just snack on them that's not what they were intended for there's kind of you need to make them into teats you know and they're they're cool as a snack but that's not where the real magic is yeah. right? and um reishi mushroom it's another one very documented to be um like one of the kind of immortal Things like the food of immortality or herb of immortality, um, rishi, and um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Look into those three things if you're looking to go to the next level. Um, three where that? yes, and I'm gonna give one more small tip here. Yeah, next level is optimizing your sleep, mm. right? This is something that in our world today we're trying to evolve past it, but it's going to take you know, thousands of years for us to evolve to require less sleep. That's a big part of our longevity is a good night's sleep. And every, you know, every now and then it's okay, but it's what you do consistently because this is why is that when you're sleeping, this is when your body is in a very high, what's known as a, um, a, a high anabolic state. Your body's in a very strong anabolic state when you're sleeping Anabolism means the building up of you. If you're awake, it's catabolic, period, unless you're in a deep state of meditation. That's anabolic as well. So deep meditation and sleep. This is when your body's producing all of these anti-aging, quote, anti-aging hormones. So if you're skipping on the sleep and trying to exercise more to look good or trying to, um, you know, you're up and, you know, running around, you're doing another yoga class. That's not where it's at. You've got to make sure that you're getting your, your sleep, your ideal sleep. And for everybody, it's going to be different. But generally, humans, it's seven to nine hours of sleep. And I used to, I mean, I got by on like four or five hours of sleep, especially when I was eating just 100% raw food for a couple of years. And I felt awesome, but I hit a wall. And it's just because, you know, when your body's not digesting food, it can put more energy into rejuvenating you. But there was just something missing. It was something off about my reality then. When I started to really pay attention and honor my sleep, I got my room blacked out like it's a cave in there. Um, I have all these other little strategies. And I did a podcast about three episodes about sleep, improving your sleep, 21 tips. You know, So um, there's so many things that you can do to optimize your sleep. And the last tip I'm going to give is specifically there's certain hours that you sleep that your body is shown to give you the most bang for your buck. And those are between the hours of 10 and 2. But honestly, because humans play with the time zone so much, I don't even know what those are anymore, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just getting to bed earlier, you know, early to, re- early to rise kind of concept. Um, that's where the real magic is, I, in my opinion. But, you know, some people, they're just wired up differently and they're like, you know, I'm a night person. That's conditioned. You know, it's a conditioned thing. Um, but if you're on fire and it's a time in your life where you're just you're so motivated that, you know, you staying up working on your vision and your dreams, Go for it. Have at it. But just understand in the long run, if we're looking at next level, being here for, you know, 120 plus years, but still being able to get busy with your wife or your girlfriend when you're 100, you know, wife, girlfriend, or boyfriend or husband, Mm -hmm. all right? So whatever it is for you, then we need to pay attention to the sleep thing. Okay. So.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, this has been amazing and the time has flown by, but I have to end with some quick fire questions to get personal with Sean. Are you ready for them?
1: I'm ready. Bring it on.
0: Okay. So just say like the first couple things that come to your mind. So favorite color. Blue. Favorite health product. Vitamix. And this is like my favorite question to ask people because it really gives like a glimpse into your life. So could you tell us, walk us through your morning routine, maybe the first three things you do when you wake up and any specifics on why that's important for how the rest of your day goes?
1: Okay. All right. Um, The first thing I do upon rising um, is I drink water. That's the first thing I do. I head right to the kitchen and drink about, you know, 24 to a liter of water and I'll usually have something fun in there. Maybe I'll do, two, I'll split it in half. In the first half will have like, uh, what did I do today? Cam- camel berry, uh, which is a very strong, the highest source of vitamin C of any known food. Uh, a little bit of lemon go in there and some MSM, which is methyl sulfonomethane. And um, I'll, I'll drink that down and then I'll follow it with another You know, say that was 20 ounces of water, I'll follow with another 20 ounces. I can really get hydrated in the morning. And if you really hydrate yourself in the morning, that leads to a nice bowel movement. So I'll drink water, then I'll go to the bathroom. You know, it's like I train my body to do that. Yeah. And to start your day clean and pure like that on the inside is awesome. So that's the second thing I do. I go to the bathroom using my squatty potty. I don't know if people know about the squatty potty. But it puts you in the, a better, proper pooping position. It's a little thing that goes next to your toilet. It's really cute. So
0: We'll put um, the link of those below, too.
1: Okay. <laughs> so I drink water, um, use the bathroom. And then the third thing I do, the next thing I do is meditation. So then I go and uh, I sit quietly. And uh, sometimes I'll play some music. Well, mo- most of the time now. I'll play some kind of background, very, very soft music. And um, I'll meditate for now it's really because I spent so much time. I used to meditate at least 32 minutes every morning for a couple of years, which I can't believe looking back on it, I did that, it was amazing. But it really trained me. So now it's like if I close my eyes for one minute, I'm deep in it. So because I've got a small kid now, like my the time thing is way different. So um, 10 minutes is amazing. And so I'll do 10 to 20 minutes of meditation And, um, yeah, that's how I start my day. And then after that, I'll do some mobility work. Um, it's wintertime now, but during the spring, summer, I'll get out and walk for 20 minutes, listen to a podcast (laughs) or, um, but now I'll do a little bit of rebounding and do some mobility work. And that's how I start my day.
0: Nice. That sounds lovely. So now taking into the the rest of the day, so what is kind of your food routine, some non-negotiables, some foods you have every single day? Do you tend to eat three meals a day? Do you tend to have one larger meal? What's kind of, what's working for you right now?
1: Wow, that's such a great question. Um, You know, I'm somebody who really, I work with rhythms and I work with the seasons and the winter time now, I really feel this is a time where for me, Is a time that I can gain some weight, and because again, like I said, I'm a naturally thinner guy. But um, in my field, I do feel I do feel a lot stronger, more solid when I have a little bit more muscle on my frame. So now I'm working to put on some more muscle again, and also in my field, you know, being appealing physically to men, to women, and men is important. You know, so you know, guys are like, yeah, I want to. He can do that. Being healthy, I want to do that. You know, so um, right now. Um, since I'm not out running around as much, I'm really trying to put weight on. So my morning ritual is a little bit different, and I'm eating a little bit more. Uh, so right now in the morning, first thing I do, and I do this regardless pretty much every day, is I'll make some kind of a tea. Um, the last couple of days, it's either been rooibos or uh, yobamate or Japanese green tea as a base. And then I'll g- get a nice hot tea going, and I'll put in my Vitamix some coconut oil, some MCT oil, which is a concentrate of caprylic acid from coconut oil, some powerful stuff. And then I'll put in some chaga mushroom. We'll go in there. And then I'll pour the hot tea on top of that. Sometimes I'll put a couple of drops of uh, English toffee stevia in there. Mm, So good. Yeah. And then just blend it up. And I've got like a nice mocha and I'll have that. And then maybe an hour later, I'll actually have something a little bit more solid. Um, Some days it'll be you know like um, some an omelet with a bunch of veggies and mushrooms and uh, I like the fermented foods whenever I have any, any type of animal foods like that. So I'll eat some sauerkraut or some kimchi and then uh, maybe have some other vegetables with that or maybe some avocado or some kelp um, or today, and this has been part of my, I only do this when I'm trying to gain weight. So um, if you're interested in gaining weight, then do this. If not, you might not want to do this because it puts size on you really quickly is um, I'll do raw eggs in the Vitamix. I know it sounds gross, but it actually it just tastes like eggnog. It's really, really good. Um, raw eggs, chia seeds, soaked chia seeds to give it some, um, some of those nice fibers I like. Um, I'll put my protein powder in there and a little bit of the MCT oil, and I'll blend that up, and, yeah, that's really working well to put some weight on me. Um, so it's kind of like that Rocky paradigm, you know, where I'm drinking the, uh, but then you're also getting so many wonderful nutrients in those eggs, you know, the, uh, the vitamin D and all the amino acids that are going to come in that raw form. And it tastes really good, but that's what I'm doing right now to gain weight. I don't normally do that, but, um, that's been a, a part of my regimen. Um, so, and then for lunch, I'll usually have some kind of a salad, uh, with just loaded with veggies and, um, Things like pumpkin seeds and um, maybe a little bit of chicken, um, olives. I'm really, I'm really about fats, so I really love olive olives and avocados and uh, olive oil. And then maybe because again I'm trying to gain weight, I'll have um, some raw nuts that are soaked and, and sprouted. So I really like living intentions nuts. They're so expensive though. We do we have a dehydrator to make them ourselves, but they're convenient. So I'll have a pack of that. That'll give me another 400 plus calories of real food. Um, garlic, garlic, and uh, rosemary is the one I'm into right now. And then for dinner, um, I don't know if I should be going as far with this, but no,
0: uh, it's great. I'm I'm super interested.
1: So for dinner, let's see, what did we do last night? And for dinner, it's always something different. Um, we really like the crock pot, you know. So like having some kind of a stew. Um, or, you know, like enchiladas or something like that. But, again, we're not having tortillas and all that. We're using uh, lettuce leaves as our little taco shells and things like that. And, um, yeah, so that's pretty much how it goes for, for me on a daily basis.
0: Yum, yum. It's not, you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I'd love if you could walk us through kind of your evening rituals. What are your favorite ways to relax and wind down to really promote that great night of sleep?
1: Okay. We mentioned
0: a couple of those already, so
1: Yeah. Well, my world has changed since having a new baby. You know, I've got two older kids and my life was way different when they were little. But my, my babies changed the game because the evening for me would be at least an hour of reading before I went to bed. Now it's maybe twenty minutes or thirty minutes. And <laughs> this is kinda strange, but if you listen to the podcast on the sleep, you'll understand this. But I I've been getting in the habit of wearing these um orange tinted shades at night because, um, it blocks out, um, the kind of daytime spectrum of light that is going to trigger your body to secrete more stress hormones, more daytime hormones. And, you know, we do have lights on in our house, you know, I've got my other kids running around. So I wear these shades and I just kind of do my normal thing at night. I'm usually talking with my wife, playing with my kids, playing with my son, talking to my son. Um, whereas before it was reading and just more quiet time. But then once we put the baby to bed, I'll read for about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I'll hang out with my wife and we'll, you know, we'll talk or we'll do whatever we want to do, you know, as grownups. And uh, then I'll get ready for bed, which is for me, um, I'll do uh, just like a one minute meditation and just giving thanks for the day and for all the accomplishments. And um, letting it go, I just let everything go, and then I uh, put magnesium on my uh, topical magnesium spray, magnesium infusion. Really, whenever I don't have it, I notice the difference after a couple of days. But it really helps to promote a deeper level of sleep. And then I'll, I'm with, I'm in, I'm asleep with, within like two minutes of getting in the bed, you know, because of the ritual.
0: I love that. Yeah. Those are good ones. Okay, a couple more quick fires. So favorite day of the week? Sunday. Favorite hour of the day?
1: 9 o'clock a.m.
0: Favorite vegetable?
1: Brussels sprouts.
0: Favorite fruit? Pineapple. Favorite meal you've eaten recently?
1: Whoa. um, Wow. Oh my goodness. I eat so much awesome food. That's a tough one. I'd have to say, my wife made this uh, honey mustard dressing recently. That was amazing. So, this salad was just mind blowingly delicious.
0: Yum. That sounds super good. If you could have one superhero power for a day, what would it be? time travel nice what's your what's your favorite book
1: my favorite book power versus force by um uh dr dawkins i'm sorry hawkins
0: nice so where would you like to see health and nutrition in say 10 years
1: um I I definitely I already see it that there's a transformation that's taking place in our country. Um at the 10-year mark we might be where the scales are tipping. I don't think that it's going to happen like super soon because uh I I'm sorry to say this, but I think things are going to get a little bit worse before they get better as that um the entities that are going to lose long term, you know, these the corporate interests, the fast food companies and whatnot, they're going to fight to keep their hold on this country and their hold on people's health in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, so it's not going to be an a easy fight. And it's not it's not even about fighting. That's not my approach to things. You know, it's it's not going to be an easy transition, let me say. Right. And um, so I, I really think that they're going to step their game up to say, hey, McDonald's is still healthy. It's OK, you know. But um, at the 10-year mark, I feel that things the transition is going to be really tipping where health is more of the norm. Um, It's already like there's a lot of people who are in this community who are hearing my voice right now. We're in this community, so we don't really realize what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. And I get to see it, Um, not on a day-to-day basis anymore because I'm not working with clients as much anymore. But when I get in that environment and I see how people are suffering, the level of suffering is at an all-time high but because we're in this world of just such vast health and amazing and just feeling good and life and love we can in a sense you know forget that there's all the suffering going on but what we're doing now is more and more people are getting onto that train they're getting onto the best life ever written train now you know more and more people and it's just it's that tipping point you know once we reach that tipping point it's going to become the norm in our country you know we've been through enough suffering and enough ignorance that um, something else is going to take over but this is why shows like this and people getting out and not just um, consuming this information but sharing it and being an example yourself is so important because once we reach that tipping point you know everybody that you everybody that sees you needs to see what's possible yeah everybody sees you need to see the kingdom of heaven you know and see yeah. what's possible within them and that's what I really feel is is taking place right now. And, and in about 10 years is where it's going to hit that tipping point to where health is going to be the norm.
0: We've made this all full circle. I love that, Sean. Definitely be the example and really put yourself out there in that way. So I'd love for you to tell us what you're most excited about right now in your life and where people can find you and kind of what's next for you.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm I'm more than pumped right now about – this um this event you know it's a it's a new launch that we're doing kicking it off for the new year you know because that's when a lot of people like i'm gonna do it but this is new year new body 2014 and we're doing a free webinar on um january 9th and but the thing is it's gonna get not sold out because it's free but it's gonna get filled so if people want to get on board definitely head over to the link that you're providing and get signed up for that. I'm doing a keynote presentation that I would normally do if somebody like flies me out to that's
0: amazing, you know, yeah.
1: California, and I'm just going to do it online and share these insights with people, and we're going to have an awesome time. And what I'm going to do is help people to set themselves up for it's not just New Year, New Body 2014; it's 2014 and beyond. Yes. And I'm so excited about this, and um, that's that's the number one thing on my mind right now. I'm working every day, and I'm giving out free content and connecting with great people like you and uh, really just creating a powerful team to help make a difference on the planet. And that's what I'm I'm really excited about right now. Right
0: on. I'm, I'm super excited too. And I'm so excited to connect with you. And thank you everyone for listening. I just have one final question to leave everyone with. And I really want to know what you think. So as you know, the name of my blog and this podcast is The Wellness Wonderland. When I offer that term to you, living in a wellness wonderland, what does that mean to you?
1: Living in a wellness wonderland means living in – like for me, I think of (laughs) – I really think of um, euphoria, nirvana, um, kind of the garden of eating consciousness where there's life around you, there's abundant life. But there's also um, our structure, you know? It's not like living out in the field somewhere. It's having the the advancements that we have today, but having it with respect and balance and respect for life and respect for the land, respect for the, the creatures that live in it, as well as ourselves. Um, the wellness wonderland is somewhere that, you know, obviously the... The nutrition is abundant, but at the same time, love is abundant. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what I see. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I see.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Sean. That was an amazing answer and so inspiring, this entire conversation. I can't wait to listen to it myself. Thank you so much to everyone for listening as well.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And everybody can find me at the seanstevensonmodel.com and um, also on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Sean model
0: amazing connect with him he is amazing is such a wealth of information in his podcast and his site and everything he does so all those links will be below and we will all stay in touch with Sean because he's amazing clearly so thank you everybody thank you Sean and have an amazing new year Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.